0: I'm Noah, and I'm Ben, and you're listening to Product Journey. Hey Ben, how's how's it going? Good morning, man. I'm feeling good. What about you? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I'm always I always look forward to our conversations on the podcast. It's always a fun time of the week. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, do you want to just dive into what we're going to talk about? Yep, let's do it. Um, so I think we,
1: like last time we recorded, we both kind of stayed in the <laughs> in the video chat and uh, started like thinking about um, if the projects we were working on or if we, you know, like pivoted away from them a little bit, if they were actually a little bit too ambitious. And that yeah. kind of got us thinking, like if... Especially as a solo founder and bootstrapper, when is a project actually too ambitious? When when do you think like or like when when do you know actually or how do you know <laughs> that a project is too ambitious? And at the same time, what I said last week to you, I, I feel that a lot of projects start out very ambitious, maybe a little bit too ambitious, but that's still something that people can can make work. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think maybe you wanna. <laughs> like explain how we how we how we got there
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think it's an important question for <clears throat> so entrepreneurs to just think about like what are what are you capable of what how big of a scope of a project that you can pull off um and so yeah, i think it's a good thing to think about um because you know especially if you're building a project that it takes a long time <clears throat> to get the core features and values built. You know, like can you kind of figure out if, you know, how long is that going to take before you get to that spot? And are is that long? Is that going to be too long to get to a point where you're actually making money from it and things like that? That could just, you know, that right there could ruin your business um if if it takes too long um you know justin jackson was saying uh when he was on the pod which i think this really does make sense that you know the goal that is pretty common for bootstrappers is to get to 10k mrr by the two-year mark and you know if you can't get to 10k mrr by two years then maybe you're working on something that's not going to work. Um, or you're, you know, maybe you're going down the wrong path. Um, I mean, two or three years, you know, there's some wiggle room there. Um, but I think kind of this idea of like, can this, is this something you can build? Um, I think is important to think about as an indie hacker. So bootstrapper, um, just because I think you could, you could start going down the right path right there. If you're trying to build the next, uh, Facebook, or I don't know what it is. It, it, there's, it's really hard because it's like projects can go off in so many different directions and maybe it's hard to figure out what that is, what that could be. But if you have, I feel like if you have at least a little bit of a plan that that can help just to make sure that you're not going to go down the wrong road building, you know, go down some rabbit holes, building this huge, massive thing, um, that is just going to be too much you know even just to maintain it like it, it's going to be too much yeah. to maintain that you can't keep up with it as a solo entrepreneur yeah yeah um so yeah i i have some thoughts about it we i uh try to do a little bit of research asking some people on twitter and in the microconf community um just to see what people's thoughts were about this um So I guess we could start there and then we could kind of maybe bring in some of our thoughts into it. Um, So first in the microconf community, I actually got a little bit of pushback around this question. And I'm not sure if they just didn't understand completely what I was asking, but uh, they kind of were like, you shouldn't worry about this. Like you shouldn't worry about how big of a scope like you should just worry about building something that your customers want in a market that is ready and everything else will kind of follow from there um and i don't know what do you think about that do you think they're (laughs) right (laughs) i think that
1: totally depends (laughs) um i mean they have a point if you like if you don't care about being the single developer who will probably be the only person working on it for a year or something like if you plan to onboard people quickly and you have the resources to do that like if you have funding you don't have to care about scope that much i would say like that Mm -hmm. that makes a huge difference and if you if you plan for funding or if you plan to build something um, alongside a team of developers or marketers um it it kind of takes away that question entirely i feel because then you really Mm -hmm. it's really not a big deal i think but if you're bootstrapping alone it it totally is a big deal like what what you're actually taking on
0: (laughs) yeah that's why i was a little surprised that these fellow bootstrappers you know in the microcom community were pushing back on oh don't don't worry about this like you should be working more at your market and i mean obviously that you know those things are important too uh but I think it is, yeah, important to just think about, yeah, wh- what you can pull off. Um, so I did have some people had, um, at least one person for sure had, they gave a lot of data and insight. So some of the questions I asked were like, you know, how long does it take till uh, you launched? I think that's an interesting thing to think about is like, you know, obviously you can't really make money until you launch. So like as a bootstrapper, how long should you take to launch something? And, um, like for us, I think it was both like two or three months for both of us with our businesses to, to be able to launch this one guy that answered said four months. Um, and 25% of his time was like, you know, ideal, ideal validation. Um, and then I asked, you know, how, how long after launch till your first money, uh, this one guy, it took six months after launch feels a little bit long. Um, (laughs) I think, I think you would ideally as a bootstrapper want to start making money quicker than that. Hopefully. Um, but you know, that depends. And then, um, The other question I was wondering is, you know, like how long does it take to build your core features? Um, You know, because that's really, I think, shows kind of the scope of the business. The project is how many months from start to finish did it take to build core features so that, you know, now you have a business you can make money from. You can kind of ideally start to find product market fit. Um, At least this one example, it took him seven months to get to the core features yep Um, that makes sense and then the other one which I think you know it's really kind of hard to tell much information from this but I think it's kind of interesting at least is how many lines of code is (laughs) is the project um obviously this is very different depending on you know what language you're in or um I don't know there's there's lots of variables with lines of code but I think it's still kind of interesting um so this one example, and actually, so this is Amit Rothi from the Microconf uh, community that answered these questions. So thank you, Amit. He said that after two years, his project is 23,643 lines of code. Well,
1: that's not too much, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you if you factor in all the frameworks that he might be using, like that, you get to that quite easily, I think. I I probably double
0: that already. <laughs> yeah i mean this may not be yeah this may not be including like frameworks and stuff um depends on what he's oh well then it might be a lot actually (laughs) like if there's no framework that's a lot though (laughs) yeah um but yeah that's pretty interesting um so i don't know what any any thoughts from that like do you think that that lines up um those 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 metrics those numbers yeah i mean the the question about core features and how long
1: that took is really interesting because it depends so much on what you're building and what what competition you're up against like if like if you if we take if we take playgroup as an example and we consider like stuff like the api um a core feature um which still is just in its infancy, um, then it will mm. still take a while to you know, like build out all the core features. Um I, I've been thinking about that a little bit over the last weeks, um, when I was so impatient. <laughs> um and I actually thought the product was further ahead than it actually is, I think. Um so I I do agree that it will still take a while for me to build out all the core features. I don't think it's there yet. Um yeah. And you can sometimes see that also when I'm talking to people or potential customers because they are um, asking for specific features because they just expect the software to have it because they see it in um, competing products, right? Uh, and that's yeah. always something like you, you kind of know in your head, oh, so they're expecting that to just be core of the product because they see it in every competitor. That's kind of interesting to see, but it, like it's very hard, I think, to compare that Um with other products because it's just so different for let's say supportman or transistor or whatever um because the 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 amount of features and the maturity of the products in every market just
0: varies so much it's really hard
1: to compare I (laughs) feel
0: right like yeah it's hard to compare different markets different uh products but at the same time like you want to as a boot so a bootstrapper pick something that you it's doable in so fast a time like if it takes two years to build the core features you know you're probably going to miss that two-year 10k mrr mark yeah and, yeah yeah. that makes sense it could fail by that point um yep. so yeah that that is interesting um, yeah, i'm
1: actually i'm actually thinking like with playgroup i've thought about that <laughs> quite a bit because i'm i think i told you that last time after we actually recorded um that it feels a little bit too ambitious for a single person like mm-hmm. it, because last week i think i talked about you know spinning up a different a different server for every customer and i've actually explored that a little bit more um and now every every playgroup also has their own instance of Elasticsearch and i'm adding all this uh stuff i have to maintain right and it's getting like it's not getting out of hand <laughs> it's doable definitely um mm-hmm. But there is this huge mountain of work um, and stuff that I need to maintain and still build on top of that, and also care about the marketing side. Um, So it at times it just feels a little bit too ambitious, Um, and I'm actually thinking, or I actually, I'm I'm a little jealous of people who find a good product or a good product idea that they can can build out. That is easier or not as complex as playgroup for example yeah um it just feels easier to pull off to be honest but i'm i I don't know like for me maybe it's because i'm a developer i don't see the i don't see those easy opportunities as as much as i see complex ones
0: (laughs) yeah so i have two thoughts about that first of all i think that's another reason why we're talking about this is you know we want to build businesses that we enjoy running and that are you know <laughs> you, you want to build a business that you like getting up every day and building and working on and i think that's that can really be a problem if the scope comes so big that you're just like just trying to catch oh, yeah. up all the time because there's all <laughs> this stuff to maintain there's all these like things that need fixed and it's just too much for one person to handle yep. um and i think the scope can be a big part of that like even actually so if i go back to when i was working on coffee pass my first startup it was actually it's a pretty ambitious project and there were like there were three apps that were part of coffee pass um that i had to build out um two mobile apps a web app dashboard you know and then like the website and everything and it would take a long time just to deploy the different apps um, yeah. and like get those reviewed and all that. And it was the other thing with that is because it was a whole system that kind of worked together, I would have to deploy all three systems mm. like at the same time. Oh, and it yeah, was just, yeah. it was just terrible. It was a mess. I was really <laughs> starting to like really dislike working on it. Yeah. And it just was a lot. And yeah, so I think that is why this is an important question is, you know, this is us enjoying building these businesses and continuing to work on them. Um, but, yeah, so then your other kind of topic you're going into is, like, trying to build the smallest thing that works. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that is, I mean, that is ideal. I mean, so I, I was talking about this on Twitter a little bit, and Ali from Instatus, another solo bootstrapper, he was saying he would rather think about the smallest useful project rather than the largest I can pull off. So kind of like flipping <laughs> yeah. flipping the framing of try to build the smallest thing that works instead of what's the biggest thing you can build. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm jealous of, like people who can
1: actually think of an idea that, that works that way.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, yeah, and I think that's the, I think that's maybe even harder to do. Like, yeah. Well, at least on the idea side because I think yeah, yeah. that so many businesses and ideas that you know, you're know you trying to solve um, I think always run into the like I need more to make this valuable. Like even your, your MVP a lot of times like you build out what you think could be the valuable thing and then you put it out there and then everyone's like, yeah, we need more of this. We need more of that. We need more features. And it's like, yeah that seems like how do you find something (laughs) small that isn't just you have to do more and more and more just to get it to be successful yeah
1: yeah and it's i think it's also so much about the competition that's already in the market right um like if you look at circle and what they have already now well it's luckily not that far away but um also with this course um they have integrations that you probably want to have um because people just expect that there is a lot to um to actually build out in my situation just for the core features and i I think like right now i'm at a in a position where i have the core built out and it's literally the the minimum that that people would need out of a forum software and it took quite a while
0: (laughs) yeah so i mean i guess the question is you know do you think you can build play group to be viable by yourself, you know, with, with that, that minimum amount of resources to a point where, you know, maybe it is a big scope kind of project, but at that time you could then like hire some people like, would you, would you even do that? Would you like make a little team and try to build a business like that? Or do you, is that not what you want to do?
1: I don't really know, to be honest. Um, it's like there are two parts of that question i think so first of all i think i can it sounds a little crazy but i think i can still maintain that for a while alone like um i like it's a rewritten application right i started with a v1 and then i had the chance to rethink it all from scratch and i think i did a pretty good job um with with that so everything is very modular and like you never feel overwhelmed by the code base or by any part of it. That's that's really good. Like that's the end goal of having having a complex uh, application, but you really feel comfortable just going in there and editing or adding features to, let's say the commenting system. Like, oh, I wanna add uh, like reactions to every comment. Well done, like it's easy. It's easy to do. And I could pull that off in, a, in an hour or two. And that's mm-hmm. that's pretty good because I just feel like really good about the code base. And I know that it works. Um, so i'm not worried about maintaining it alone for a while but then if like let's say i would really go crazy now with the scaling and i would throw every customer on a different server and then think about doing some real-time stuff with it at some point it just gets a little bit out of hand (laughs) and even i have to accept that uh it is probably not the best idea to do it all on my own um And also because, you know, you would have to, like, if I need new database fields (laughs) and I just need to run migrations on different servers all at the same time, because I want to, you know, like push the feature to every playgroup out there. And there's 10 of them running on 10 different servers. Like it, it gets complicated, right? And you need, you need to (laughs) automate that from the beginning as much as possible, but still like if you're alone, you will hit the point where you can just not ask anybody for advice. Um... And that's where it gets interesting, I think, especially if you have complex uh, back-end code and, like, infrastructure stuff where you're, like, not... Which is not my department, like, in general. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, hmm, it's, like, I'm not planning to build something where I need to hire somebody. Um, but, I like, I could imagine if there is enough money coming in that you at least get somebody on to advise or do some part-time work with you to you know like to get um get something set up like some automation so that you can handle it alone again after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um Yeah, I mean it's I I mean I I hear I've definitely heard other bootstrappers talk about like basically choosing certain kind of customers or choosing feature sets or things that they're basically they've just decided I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to support those features. I'm not going to support those customers because that's not what we're meant to do. Like, it's kind of just having a focus of I'm focusing on this. I'm going to make this part as best as possible. And yeah. if you kind of go wild with scope, I think it could get you in a trouble maybe, you know, if it's, if it's biting off more than you can chew. Yep. Um, but uh, but yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm I also, think yeah. There's... I'm curious
1: what you think about that. Like, I mean, we. I think the the conversation conversation initially started with you thinking about what what could happen if you you know like changed the scope of support mail a little bit because you needed to change it in in a way. Um, what like how are you thinking about bringing on people later on if like if it grows out of hand basically?
0: Um, well, I would definitely. I mean, I think it all goes back to the amount of, like, revenue the business is making. I could definitely see myself, like, building a small team, team of contractor. Like, I think that's something I would really enjoy. Um, I think, uh, like, right now I'm not ready for that, Um, which is, you know, I'm not, the business isn't ready for that either, so that's that's good, but it's not, like, something I need to do to make it. A successful business, though, either I don't think, um, but I would definitely be up for it. If I think it really just depends on the trajectory of growth that a business can have. Um, I think tuple uh, Ben at Tupel has been talking about this. It's been kind of interesting, is like how he kind of feels like he has to hire more people because he, you know, he wants to make his product better for the customers, and you know they're at a scale where if he didn't like they would probably kind of hate running their business again because it would just be too much for them to handle and like they need more people because they need the help Um, that makes sense and so i think you know once your business gets to that point then yeah sure like that's that would definitely be the road that i think would make sense to take um But yeah, with Support Man, you know, I've been kind of questioning like how things are going, questioning if I'm on the right path. And that's kind of led me to kind of just more ideas around how can I, in some ways, extend the scope of what I'm trying to do to make it more valuable. Um, And that's why I'm kind of having these questions of like, okay, can I actually pull that off? So like some of the ideas are adding more integrations with different platforms, um, So that it basically, you know, right now I can only support the, I think it's like 30,000 plus intercom companies, uh, that are, you know, on intercom, uh, anyone that doesn't use intercom, like it's not going to be valuable for them. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the question of would, would I be able to pull off adding, multiple more integrations you know having to maintain you know whenever their apis of whatever these other companies are having to maintain that and keep up with all these different ones like i don't know like is that possible for one person uh to pull off yep so that's yeah
1: i mean integrations like i have three already (laughs) um i i don't know it's most of the time the way i felt about it at the time when i when i built them is that apis between them don't change that much um so i i wouldn't need to touch them for at least a year right now um and like even with the slack api i think they only just released the second version this year right so there's probably not another new version for an for another year i'd say um so if, if it's just about integrations i actually am not too concerned about that um yeah well that's good. but i'm also curious because i th- i think i can think of a lot of examples where people starting out um took on a little bit too much uh or they like the projects that people started alone or even with a with a co-founder in, in a team of two they sometimes seem too ambitious um It might even be the case for us for for companies like Transistor, like building a podcasting platform. Um, It it seems it it probably seems not as hard from the outside. But I think the tech that goes into that is pretty complex, like even just saving all the all the stuff, getting all the hooks right with the different, um, you know, providers like Apple podcasts and Spotify Mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, and it's basically just john doing all that right so it seems like right. it, it seems pretty ambitious for a single developer i'd say um and i can think of a lot of examples that that actually seem to be like when they started out seemed a little bit too ambitious like bare metrics um I, I don't know like the founder of DuckDuckGo at some point was alone i
0: guess or did he have a, did he have a co-founder maybe he had a co-founder he had uh um, i think he maybe started alone but then he had three employees for a while bootstrapping and Mm, even some contractors by before they actually raised money
1: Mm, okay okay
0: but i i I just feel that a
1: lot of people when starting out that their scope is like very close to being too too much
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Well, I think also you have to think about like, you know, even like John with Transistor, he had the background, uh, you know, he'd done stuff with podcasting before. Like he kind of had the background to be able to do it where maybe another developer that had no experience in that area, like it would have been too big a scope. Um, Yeah, that's true. And actually, so going back to Amit who was talking about this, he had, two things that he thought were important to think about. So I'll read the first one because it's kind of what we're talking about here. He he said every developer is of different caliber and different tech background. In your gut, you'd know if you can pull this project off simply in terms of building the software. Trust your gut feeling here over any other metric. Uh, so that's kind yeah. of some interesting advice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one, it, it depends on who you are, who the developer is, your experience, and then really just comes down to trusting your gut um
1: i I like that it's,
0: it's funny i i agree with that actually
1: and even at my day job i come into that situation a lot where people come to us and need they need like something custom like something that's like you can't just throw a solution at it and it's always like hey can we actually build that like how will we actually go about and do that and of course, like, the the more junior people on the job, they will be like, oh, man, that sounds crazy. Like, we can't pull that off. And, <laughs> like, yeah, I think you can see that a lot in development that um, it's about experience at that point. And if you... Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to put that into words. Like, how do you decide if you can actually make it work or you can't? Like, it's literally just everything you've ever learned <laughs> playing
0: playing into that like can you pull it off or can't you know uh, can't you do it hmm. yeah i mean even like the agile development system kind of has gut feeling built into it. like if you <laughs> i don't know have you ever done like the phenomenon Fibonacci like points system and agile yeah, development yeah. you know you kind of give a block of work so many points and it's <laughs> I always kind of laugh a little bit when they're asking you because you're just like uh, I don't know <laughs> I'll just yeah I'll just put <laughs> uh, I'll just say three points <laughs> oh yeah 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 um so yeah it is always a little bit of guesstimate um and yeah, typically I feel like most people are really bad at uh estimating how long something's gonna take oh, to be yeah built.
1: yeah actually <laughs> at my day job i i am the one who most of the time has to estimate the actual hours that we will like uh put on a quote or <laughs> <laughs> how, how is, do you make that decision yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh Roll it is it is really hard sometimes to um like i'm what I, what i'm really doing is trying to break it down into stuff that can be measured like stuff that i know it will take x amount of hours and then you know like try to eliminate as many unknowns as possible. Like if you need to integrate with an API and you need to, you know, put a price tag on that, try to get info about that API before you have to put that price tag on it. Um, If that doesn't work, go with the highest price. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just like (laughs) that. Always go with the highest
0: price in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) But it is a lot of
1: gut feeling. I agree with that, definitely.
0: Yeah. So then kind of the last thing that Amit says, uh, I also like this as well, I'll just read it. He says, some problems would start paying your bills with bare bones MVP, usually unmet demand, unsolved problems. Whereas some markets require suite of features just as table stakes, crowded space, lots of competition. Evaluate your market on this criteria. I love the prior kind where you can be profitable quickly, but also have enough scope or also has enough scope to expand the product over time to build somewhat, um, uh, somewhat of a moat. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I don't know if you're able to follow that. Um, basically, what he's saying is, choose the ideas in the market where you can slowly build it over time where even if it is a big scope project like you can still build a profitable business early on so it's not like you have to get to all these core features that are going to take a year to build before you can be making money um so i really like that idea i mean it's kind of like the stair step approach um like rob stair step approach but with win- within one product it's so like within your one product can you build something that's valuable for some people make it profitable and then kind of go on that go on from there build it to be even more valuable you know make it even more profitable um <clears throat> you know choose something like that instead of you know a project that is going to take Couple of years before it's valuable at, all, valuable at all, just because it has kind of like this cliff of you have to build up to this point before it's valuable.
1: That sounds really good. I'm thinking if a, am I doing this, and b, can I think of an example of that?
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so I've been thinking about that with Support Man. So like, <clears throat> you know, if I build it in a way where each integration that I add on is valuable yeah. and I can then kind of work on that customer set that that integration is valuable for um, and you know able to make it, make, make it more profitable from that and then add on another integration and kind of just like keep going step by step making it more valuable for more people to where hopefully it's a valuable business but along the way able to make it work, I guess. And and in some ways, I've kind of already done that. Like, you know, support man is valuable for some intercom support teams right now that are paying me. And so maybe just to make it an actual valuable business, though, I just kind of have to add some more and kind of invite some other customer types in um, and kind of grow it as I go. But like slowly, it could become more and more valuable that and and something that people are willing to pay for
1: yeah that makes sense so there there was one other thing in there um and what he said that got me thinking that was like you know like take into account the market and how saturated it is basically with your competition Mm -hmm. and coming back to this metaphor we had a little bit like we had that kind of often on the show i think where you're like just sitting in the water waiting for the red wave um so it It kind of feels sometimes for me that there might be too many other people waiting on the same wave and it's just hard to, you know, catch the same wave because three people are already surfing (laughs) in.
0: Yeah. Not enough room on that wave. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Except Hmm. waves are pretty big. Like they kinda go pretty wide. Like you can kind of catch it (laughs) along. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Maybe it breaks (laughs) up at that point. (laughs) No, but
1: it's it's a valid point though. Like can you um grab enough of the market share uh to actually make it a profitable business i I don't know if i can do that to be honest i think that's the biggest question i will need to answer uh this year
0: (laughs) yeah i mean but at the same time i think you are kind of you're you're getting on a wave like that's the first point that's hard that you know it's really hard just to catch a wave um and i think there is definitely seems to be some kind of community wave right now um and so at least you have that first part because most people don't <laughs> even catch waves and so now it's just like can you kind of push that that guy to your right or left <laughs> off the wave <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> or or yeah like maybe you don't have to maybe you don't have to push him off you know it's a big enough wave all three of you guys can just be surfing that (laughs) like pros Um, i don't want to push anybody off their board that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that doesn't
1: sound very surfer
0: like man (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so i don't know i mean what i guess how do you what what kind of metrics or things do you want to hit to kind of tell you if if you are on the right wave or not or if there isn't enough space or whatever
1: uh basically paying customers i think i need to see more paying customers right now because the the wait list is growing and i i actually checked it today before we started recording i have uh 47 people who i have not talked to yet
0: <laughs> wow
1: that's good. On the wait list. Um and overall it's like a hundred and seventy-three whoever signed up through the page.
0: <laughs> Whoa. I thought yeah, you just a, said it was like ninety, like two yeah, weeks. Yeah, ago. yeah, it it yeah, it went up though. Like
1: it went up quick. <laughs> um last three that, weeks. That seems just, like a wave to me. Yeah, it is a wave, definitely. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, you still gotta make those customers like i still need to convert them over like make them you know like turn them into paying customers in a way um and if i fail to do that then there is no like i i don't have any benefit from being on that wave <laughs> does that make sense like yeah. i am mean, I'm, I'm seeing the wave but if i can't catch people um and onboard them um hmm so yeah i mean the the overall plan is um without actually too much development work right now um make it like open it up and um make it self-serve basically and then and that's also why i'm keeping those 40 something people on the wait list right now then message all of them and say hey um you can actually now you know sign up um and here's the link and go there and if you have any questions just let me know um yeah. Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe I'm wasting co- good conversations. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: At the same time, you've kind of, I think you've already said that you feel like you've talked to enough people that you like know, like you, you kind of know what they need or, or want in a way. Yeah. That you don't, so what might, might yeah, not hope to talk to more. Yeah.
1: What I'm doing right now is basically take everything I've learned and put that onto. Uh, slightly well not slightly like on a big (laughs) redesign page um and try to come up with smart wording and address the different groups or different segments that i have seen um in the calls in the past and then just put it out there and hope for the (laughs) hope for the best basically (laughs) no but you know like try to um point the people like I have some people in the teaching segment still, and then try to point them to the page that actually explains how playgroup can be beneficial for teachers. Um, yeah, I think that's a good idea. So for me, like it's going forward right now. Um, the scope isn't that, that important, I think, um, because I have something that is in a good state. Like it's the minimum still. Um, and I still need to figure out the whole scalability stuff. Uh, but it's not like i need to figure that out before opening it up um i can still fit all of the communities on a single server and then just move it all over um if the, if, I, if if i ever make that move
0: yeah i mean as far as like yeah the scope of playgroup you know as as far as from the project side it feels like you have that kind of under control like you can handle it you know um i guess the question is is there more that needs to be built that isn't that you know kind of is out of your control that you you can't handle but so far it seems like you've been able to build it pretty quickly handle pretty well um that it's it could be doable
1: yeah i'm i'm feeling as i mentioned i'm feeling pretty good about the code base still and i don't see any features uh, on the roadmap that i'm really worried about it's really just scaling and infrastructure that I kind of need to figure out once. But if I think if that's done, then uh, it's basically automated, and I don't really have to worry about it. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I don't know. I mean, what do you think with uh, support man um, going forward with the integrations? Like, are, are you actually worried about? Um, or would it, would you like? would it stop you from going to that
0: direction because you're worried about it being out of scope? Um, a little bit. So um, just to give a little more background, um, one of the things I'm thinking about is, <clears throat> so so one of the features of Supportman right now is kind of like the weekly reports. So like metrics and things like that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of directions I could go with that. And one of the directions that is, um, you know, there's already some companies doing similar things, but it's basically like the, the Zapier of dashboards or like, you know, kind of like the dashboard for everything where all your metrics that you care about are in one place. And if that's the main value proposition, you know, just to get to that point you would have to have lots of integrations that, you know, could be a really big scope. Um, just to be able to get to the point of saying, Hey, we can make a dashboard with all the data points that you care about. It, you know, it could be tons of stuff. It could be Google analytics. It could be Stripe. It could be YouTube. It could be Twitter. It could be all these different points that businesses care about. Um, And that seems kind of ambitious to me. (laughs) Um, But maybe, like I'm saying, maybe there's like subsets of that that's, you know, is all that certain companies care about that could be valuable enough. Um, And that, yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking about. Um, I don't know. (laughs)
1: Would you? I'm now. I'm curious. Would
0: you consider playgroup a little bit too ambitious? <laughs> um, I think uh, maybe for me it would be at least because I haven't had as much experience with, I don't know, like messaging apps. You know, lots of data coming through like that. Um, but no, I yeah, I don't think it's too ambitious. <laughs> Definitely cool. not for you. <laughs> Cause you're, cause you're, cause you're Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking about, I have still more think to think about this, but I think kind of like the, the golden spot to be in is kind of what I um, Amit said is, you know, if you can build something in a market where it grows in value at, like slowly as you're building it um and you're able to kind of maintain it at that spot as you go and it you know you can just kind of make it more valuable as you go and you know with the more time you'll be able to take on a bigger scope and be more ambitious with it um stair step kind of thing like if i if, if i can fit it into that then maybe it could make sense
1: yeah that sounds like a good idea also i like that you if you like focus on integrations with different um like you have those different segments then basically right and you can focus on one at a time right Um, like if you have different integrations you don't have to do them all at once obviously and yet you can then just like develop one of them and then focus on the marketing side of that just for that one segment right so it doesn't get like too crazy with just developing all the time Um, we can actually split that into chunks which sounds like a good idea
0: cool (laughs) thanks for the feedback (laughs) all right any other thoughts before we go
1: i think that's all i got
0: (laughs) cool well i i think that was an interesting uh conversation listeners hopefully you enjoyed it and uh yeah let us know on twitter just reach out to us Uh, you can find our twitter handles in the show notes um Yeah, just reach out to us if you have any thoughts about this discussion, anything you want to add, or maybe you think we're really off with something and just, yeah, just tell us, tell us that we don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Which is Um, probably true. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, otherwise, we'll uh, talk to you guys in another episode. See you next week. Bye.